HBCU. They know just who we are. Post Radio. What is going on, everybody? This is Randall Barnes, the founder of HBCU Pulse, here in HBCU Pulse Studios for a special edition of the Randall Barnes Experience. Uh, Today is a very interesting day because we're still in a pandemic, and I think people forget that. Um, And we know that Super Bowl Sunday is coming up, and Super Bowl Sunday is an unofficial holiday where people go out, they're with their families, they go to sports bars, they have fun. At any other point in time, that's great. But we have different strands of the coronavirus, you know, just spreading around through South Carolina. It's overseas. Now it's stateside. And when it hit South Carolina, I got very concerned because of how COVID spread last year. It hit South Carolina. It's hitting Claflin, South Carolina State, the HBCUs that are in South Carolina. Then you have North Carolina. Then you have Georgia. You have Florida. You have Alabama. You have all these southern states that could be affected by this new COVID variant that's more easily transmissible. So I want the HBCU Pulse community, the HBCU Pulse family, to be aware that the COVID-19 pandemic is not over. And I wanted to bring on this time, we had Nurse Chelsea on, and she was very enlightening. But I want to bring on a doctor, an HBCU-educated doctor, Dr. Stacey Eady. She's a Lincoln University of Pennsylvania alumni, as well as she is a woman of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. I want to bring her on to talk about just her experience dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. And she's also taken the Moderna vaccine as well. So we got her just experience on that. And she had a very special message for our younger audience that's listening, that wants to turn up for the Super Bowl, that, that doesn't care about what's going on, that is tired of this pandemic. She has a special message for our younger audience. HBCU. They know just who we are. Post Radio. So excited to have Dr. Edie on the line. Dr. Edie, how you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm feeling blessed. How are you? I'm blessed and I'm amazing. I'm just so glad to talk to you because it's just, it's so much craziness is going on with COVID. So I just really want to get you on so we can just break some things down for the audience and just keep people aware and keep people safe. So could you tell us a little bit more about you? Um, well, I am a board certified pediatrician. I trained, well, we'll start where I went to school. Uh, I went to the first HBCU, Lincoln University, and I pledged the first sorority, uh, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. That's Epsilon New at Lincoln University. Um, I attended uh, medical school in New York, and uh, I trained in pediatrics at Children's Hospital in Michigan, Wayne State. Let's get into just the COVID experience. I wanted to ask you, in your profession, how did how has COVID-19 affected you in your profession? Well, so about this, a little later than this time last year, um, you know, life was, you know, going as usual. Uh, and then, you know, we heard about you know, COVID-19 in other countries. And, you know, we, we heard about it. We were like, oh, okay, it's over in China. However, it wasn't here. So we really weren't prepared. We really did not receive a lot of information, say, from the government or anywhere else. Uh, I have a private practice. So, um, you know, I may get my sources uh, from other colleagues or uh, maybe from a healthcare system if I hear something through an email or something. Um, but when it came, you know, it really, it really knocked us under our feet because 
we really weren't prepared at all. And I always knew that, you know, we weren't prepared as a country for any type of, you know, high level uh, medical emergency. Um, but I never would have imagined uh, something at this level. And what happened initially was we just didn't, we weren't prepared with protection. So we were just out there on the front lines with no protection, no PPE, no way of getting it. Um, as a private practitioner, I was trying to order it online uh, and it was very difficult. I think I ordered in March and my shipment finally came in about June. So I had uh, someone online who, who made me cloth masks for my staff and myself. We did have some surgical masks that we were using, and that was pretty much our protection. Um, that's, that's pretty much what we were using. We were getting low on certain things like gloves and, and all of that, but we couldn't shut down. So during the whole pandemic, I stayed open. Um, we have newborns that come in. So, you know, I had to figure out ways of keeping everyone safe coming in and out. So, you know, we just kind of changed protocols, how people come in, how they leave out, washing our hands consistently. I must wash my hands about 60 times a day. Um, fortunately, I have not, as I've known of, caught COVID in none of my staff. And we have been busy throughout the year up until now. So that was pretty much, you know, the setting of what happened when it first came. So it, it was, you know, we weren't prepared at all. So the level of preparedness, I think that in what you're saying, I'm hearing a lot of government lack of response. And I know that you have the executive branch with the Donald Trump administration. They didn't handle things appropriately, but also we're hearing about mismanagement from the states and also certain states that weren't getting appropriations from the executive branch. So do you think that with the Joe Biden administration um, that just started, you know, it started this past month. So do you think that it'll be more of a handling of the pandemic and a help of, you know, practitioners? My, I, I'm very optimistic. I'm very optimistic. Um, I'm hoping uh, they have the, the equipment that was told, we were told that the PPE was with the government, but yes, as far as I know, there was some distribution, but at the levels that it should have been, I still, I don't know where that equipment is. So I'm hoping it was, you know, kind of transferred over with power. Um, I don't know where that, you know, where the equipment is, but I'm sure I feel very confident that they're going to hit the floor running and get things going like need be. Um, I think this administration, um, started even before they came in on thinking about some of the things um, that might need to be done. One thing that is a progression from where we were last year is that there is a vaccine and you've actually taken the vaccine. You've taken the Moderna vaccine. So tell us about that process and how do you feel? So the process, how, how the process went again, because I'm a private practitioner, a lot of people um, who work, say, for uh, a hospital system, they had the vaccine there. So I had to kind of figure out how I was going to get my vaccine since I'm kind of standalone. So um, I did receive some information from another colleague who owns her practice as well. 
and I signed up through our county. And how the process works is you have to sign up online. When you sign up online, um, they will let you know when it's your turn or what your date will be. They'll get back with you with an um, email, letting you know exactly what day you can come in. Um, at that time, they did tell me that um, I would be receiving the Moderna vaccine. I did not get to choose on my application which vaccine that I was able to get. So um, on that, on there, you know, they let me know what date, time I should show up. And when you go, you, you just go in line, you have all your credentials, at least for us, because we were in that first tier, you had to prove that who you were, um, because, you know, they needed to vet you out and know that you were really supposed to be getting the vaccine. So I brought all my credentials, uh, sit in line. You receive your vaccine. After you receive your vaccine, you have to, everyone stays for 15 minutes. You have to stay to make sure that no one has any type of adverse reaction, um, any type of anaphylaxis. That means like a severe allergic reaction. Um, I noticed that there were people that had to go to a special line um, if they did have um, history of anaphylaxis, say, you know, when, when someone has a peanut allergy and their throat swells or um, someone's tongue swells or, you know, they wheeze really bad when they have some type of material. Those people and, and pregnant women had a special line that they had to go in. I'm not sure of what their protocol was, but um, maybe they were watched a little uh, more closely. I'm sure they had EpiPens, which is the treatment for anaphylaxis, um, and they also had paramedics in the building. And after I received the vaccine, I waited 15 minutes. During Well, actually, during that time, they asked you to go ahead into the system and schedule your next va uh, vaccine date. And so, you know, you do all that while you're there because, you know, those dates are just going, you know, quickly. And they want to make sure that you get that vaccine within the time frame. So for me, I had Moderna and the time frame between the first dose and second dose is 28 days. And uh, for the Pfizer vaccine, it's 21 days. So they want to make sure that you're close as possible. So if you wait two weeks to go in and sign up for your second dose, it's going to push you off. And really the way that the science has been done is based on those dates. So um, we, I, you know, I did that. And also, uh, there's something called Be Safe. I volunteered for that. And that is where the first week they send you um, a text every day to find out how you're doing. And you re can report any type of side effects that you're having. So I did that. I volunteered. And then after then, every week, they send me a text to see how I'm feeling. And I've been fine. Um, I'll tell you this. And this is you know, probably the first day, the next day, not that night, but the first day I had soreness of my arm, um, probably for about a day and a half. And both my staff members who went with me, they had the same problem. And that's a very common reaction um, with any shots. And pediatricians, we give shots. I can't tell you how many shots we give in a day. But that is very common. Swelling, um, local reaction, uh, pain, 
you know, it, it was kind of like the flu vaccine, but I would say I had a little more soreness with this one. And then one week later, I did get kind of like a little rash, like redness around the uh, injection site. And that went away in like a day. Um, and I just ha- happened to see it. It wasn't painful or anything. I happened to see it. So other than that, I've been great. I received my second vaccine next week um, on Thursday. And so I'm ready and I'm going to get it. And this will be my second one. They do say, you you know, with some people might, they may have a little more reaction the second time. So, you know, we'll see. And I, I'm going to be very transparent with that. I'd love to come back and tell you how I feel you know, after the second dose as well. And we definitely want you to, because see the big thing that we have had and we've experienced is you see a lot of videos and a lot of fake news out there about nurses and doctors passing out or they get Bell's palsy. And what we try to let the audience know is that these stories just aren't true. And you have to get it from verified sources, but it's so much just hysteria around the COVID, the COVID virus and also the vaccines in general that people run with it. So to hear that you're giving a real transparent experience is amazing. And the audience should definitely take heed of it, but let's talk about the audience because I think that what we're going through right now is we're going through people thinking that the pandemic is over, but what we've seen in these past few months is we've seen the worst of it. And Dr. Fauci spoke about it. that This is going to be the worst months. The darker months are to come. And we've seen going into February that it has gotten astronomically horrible. So what do you, what do you think the young audience, the college age audience should know about being safe from this, from this virus? Well, I I definitely want to confirm exactly what you're saying. It is getting worse. Um, I would say on this side of the fall and definitely as these days and weeks uh, progress, what I'm seeing is, is it is worse. I'm seeing more children, infants, you know, teenagers testing positive for COVID on this side, even before, you know, like when the pandemic first came, I rarely had any patients, any children uh, with disease. And we kind of thought this on this side of um, the fall anyway, because it's flu season as well and a lot of other viral illnesses um, that are present. But we are seeing a lot more COVID right now. And we know that a lot of it comes from the holidays and, and people, you know, spending time with family and extended family and that people are getting tired, tired of, you know, wearing their mask and socially distancing and things like that. But I do want to say it is extremely important um, that we do heed to this, especially um, our Black community, HBCU. We we are college-bound, educated, no reason, you know, not to, because we, we know, you know, we know that we want to be around, number one. We want to be around. We want our grandparents to be around. And what I'm worried about is the grandparents and the parents, because what I am seeing as well is that, yeah, maybe the, maybe the college students and the teenagers aren't winding up in the hospital, but I'm hearing, hearing of a lot of deaths of parents and grandparents. Um, who have been exposed. And, and this, it, it really hurts my heart because it is a trickle-down effect. Um, we already have enough depression going on in the pandemic. Um, we need to protect ourselves until we can get what we call herd immunity. 
And, you know, that herd immunity is, is a phenomenon where, you know, if once the layers of people get vaccinated um, and we have enough people vaccinated, the protection of those who can't be vaccinated will be there. Um, just like with any other vaccine, like measles or polio, those vaccines have been around for like 70 years. And um, we've achieved herd immunity. As we can see, we might get some outbreaks, you know, say at Disney or wherever, because we have people traveling from out of the country into our country. Um, but we have herd immunity and that herd immunity has protected you know, protected the masses and even those children that are less than 12 months who can't receive the MMR because of their age yet. So that's what we're hoping for with the COVID vaccine, COVID-19 vaccine, is that once we have enough people vaccinated, that we will have enough protection to protect those people who may not be able to get it, you know, the vaccine. But what I don't want to happen is that we not stand in line for that vaccine because really on this side of it, the black physicians, National uh, Medical Association, which is our black medical association, we're pushing to push our people to the top of the list because we don't want to be at the back of the line. This is the, not the time to be in the back of the bus. You know, we need to be in the front because our communities are suffering right now. And meaning with death, it, it, it's definitely affecting us disproportionately. And w that means that we should be higher priority. But if they even make us higher priority, but we're not going for the vaccine, then, you know, it, it's really not working for us. And, and that's what I don't want to see. And I am seeing that now. It's the other side. They are running for the vaccine and we're running away. And that's not what we want right now. We don't. That's powerful. I, it's all, I don't even know what to say after that because it makes me so upset to see just so much misinformation that is spread. Like I even listen to, you know, folks talk on the story about it or on their stories on Instagram live on their phones and they're saying false information. And then they'll say, yeah. well, I heard about it from Facebook. I heard about it from Instagram. And I'm like, that's not how information is supposed to be transmitted. So what we just really want to do just with HBCU Pulse is we're not saying, go oh, get the vaccine. We're not saying don't get it. We just want, we want students, especially students and alumni and our, just our family to be aware of what's going on, to have the facts and then act accordingly. If you decide not to get it, that's perfectly fine. But you know the truth and you know not to be spreading fake news and false information. So thank you so much, Dr. Edie. I definitely want to bring you back and get just your just perception of how the second dose went. So where can we find you on social media? You can find me at uh, Baby Doc. It's B-A-B-E-E -E underscore D-O-C. That's on Instagram. And I'm found on Facebook as Stacey Edie. But my business is Peace in a Pod pediatric um and that's pretty much where you can find me amazing thank you so much for coming on i look forward to speaking to you more this is the random bond experience on hbc post radio from the shade room to your news feed we brag different you're locked into a hbcu post now trending worldwide